This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 58, Submission 013. Second Chance 1987 slash Boys Will Be Boys. Second Chance 1987 slash Boys Will Be Boys aired on Fox between 1987 to 1988. Second Chance 1987 running for nine episodes from September 26, 1987 to November 28, 1987. And Boys Will Be Boys running for 12 episodes from January 16, 1988 to May 7, 1988. For an overall total of 21 episodes. It's Second Chance, Hollywood's most exciting new game. No, 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 no. Not the game show, Second Chance. I mean, the other Second Chance. You've been through something. I don't want you to be afraid. Do I look afraid? My name's Mary. Do you know who you are? Damn it, Mike! Not the second chance from 2016 on Fox. I meant the second chance from 1987 on Fox. I'm Charles Russell. In the year 2011, I died and found myself in St. Peter's office. He told me I wasn't good enough for heaven or bad enough for hell. I was sent back to Earth in the year 1987. Who are you? Well, don't just stand there, Charles. Say hello to yourself. If I had a second chance, tell me where would I take it? How different would I make it? I gotta go back. Back to yesterday somehow. I gotta go back. Oh, that's better, Mike. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, so, guys, it's been 58 episodes, but we are finally, finally on this show. And, guys, back in September of last year, I discovered this show. In an episode of the YouTube series 13 Week Theater. And this became the genesis for what became our podcast. He's absolutely right about the origin story. Yep. And now yes. you know the rest of the story. Yeah. And you know what was the clincher of this series that sums it all up in a nutshell? An ad in TV Guide. That says, find the dead man in this picture. Yes, this is a comedy. Wait, it's a TV ad and not an episode of Idiot Test? <laughs> oh. Uh, 
So a little background here. Second Chance was created by the writing team of David W. Duclon and Gary Mentier, who have been responsible for Punky Brewster, for one, and Silver Spoons, for another, and I'm sure there's more. Family Matters. Thank you, Brain. Yes! Family Matters, of course. So they had, they were the masters in the sitcom game. There's one show that you're missing, Chico, that he produced three episodes of, which more or less is almost the run of the show, I think. Future installment, making it. Oh, making it. Yeah. Speaking, yeah, speaking of theme songs that are bops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the David Naughton show. That one. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of themes that, well, I wouldn't necessarily call it a bop, but that's that's a Chico term. But yeah, this is one of those themes that sort of lingers with you. So the premise of the first version of this show, Second Chance, we open at St. Peter's office on July 29th, 2011, when St. Peter meets a man by the name of Charles Russell, who had died while driving his hover car in an accident on the Santa Monica Skyway. And Saint Probably Peter while did... texting. Yeah, well, they didn't know that in 1987. They didn't know you could, you could message somebody on, the, on a phone. It was that far distant in the future. But yeah, probably he was texting while driving. And on a Skyway, no less. Doing 250 miles an hour. Yeah. I think that yeah, that was that was the right speed, right? Yep. Yeah, it was probably a better ending for him than Herb Abrams. Oh jeez. Oh my gosh. He's not wrong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, so Saint Peter determines that Charles Russell is not good enough for heaven or hell. So what he does is he sends him back to nineteen eighty seven where he gets a second chance to help his younger self learn the difference between right and wrong. And that is the uh, gist of the series. Well, yes. not necessarily all of it. Um, to he, he becomes a proprietor of a convenience store and a boarder in the second episode, which we will get to. Yep. And sort of the surrogate father figure to Chaz. They even take up against each other. Which makes me wonder, if Charles Russell didn't go back in time and take up some of Chaz's uh, sort of little quirks, would he have had those quirks? I don't know. It's weird. Well, I mean, he does grow up to become Charles Russell, so maybe he's had it all this time. Maybe, but hey, probably the only time in this podcast where we get to mention the bootstrap paradox. Well, Charles Russell was played by Kyle Martin, who you would better know from Hill Street Blues. And I believe Hill Street Blues would have just ended its run at this time, right? Yep. Yep. And you might be wondering who played the younger version of Charles Russell Chez. It was just young 
kid from Canada. Um, he did a bunch of other shows, and I, I don't know whatever became of him. Um, some guy named Matthew Perry. Uh, yeah, Matthew Perry of a million different future installments until he struck gold in 1994. Anyway. And a million future installments after. Yeah. <laughs> so rounding out the rest of the cast, you have Randy Heller, who you'd best know for us the mother of Daniel LaRusso in The Karate Kid playing Chaz's mother, Helen. Hmm. No, no joke there, Chico? No. I, I, I got nothing. Uh, all, I re- all I remember her is that one episode of Super Train. <laughs> you mean past installments? Previous installment, Super Train. <laughs> so when you have a sitcom about a young kid who needs to learn the difference between right and wrong, who better to showcase the struggles that young Chaz Russell must deal with than his two best friends, Booch and Eugene? Of course, Booch being played by William Gallo and Eugene being played by Damien Slade. And what else would Damien Slade be best known for? I'm not he was in a he was in he was in a he was in a movie. I do not remember what the movie is called. Okay, he was in Better Off Dead, and Thank he's you. the kid who picked pesters John Cusack that he wants his two dollars. By the way, guys, funny I should mention Better Off Dead since the guy who directed it was Savage Steve Holland, who's best known for making the whammies on Pressure Luck, and what was Pressure Luck a revival of? Second chance. Yes. Oh, and, and by the way, what preceded second chance on Fox? <laughs> Mike, do you want to take a guess? I, 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 no. Future installment, the new adventures of Beans Baxter. <laughs> ah. Because Savage Steve Holland executive produced the new adventures of Beans Baxter. Okay, well, I'm looking at Demian Slade's IMDb, and not much. there is not much. Uh, no, there is not. Joey, he played Joey Spinoza on The Wonder Years, and that looks like it was late in the run of, of The Wonder Years, 1992. Yeah, and really, final season would be 92-93. Yeah, and really after that, he just about fell off the face of the earth. Yep. And rounding out the cast... You have Joseph Moore as St. Peter trying to help Charles Russell in fixing the mistakes that his past self has made. By the way, uh, one of the rules, I think this is just one of the your major time travel rules, but one of the rules that Charles Russell is sort of fixed to is that nobody can know the truth about Charles Russell's identity, lest it affects Chaz's Russell's future. Yes. Okay, so now that we've gotten the gist of what this show's about, let's get into the episodes of Second Chance. Episode 1, the end. So we've mentioned what's happened. Uh, Charles Russell was on the Santa Monica Skyway. He died in an accident. 
and he's not good enough for heaven or hell. And Mike, I think you got something to say about this part. Are you talking about the doors? Yes. Okay, seriously? That should have been a prop for a game show. Do you go into door one or door two? Where's the good prize? Which door is going to send you to heaven? Which door is going to send you to hell? I mean, it does look like something you might see on on a, a game show of some sort. Yes, it does. Yep. Also, I didn't know when we go to heaven or when we're on the verge of going to heaven, when we're sort of like in purgatory, we have two doors. Which door are you going to go into? I, I always thought it would be the pearly gates and they'd judge you there. No, apparently there's two doors. Yep. And they have flashing lights on the floor. Oh, man. So St. Peter sends him back. He meets his younger self and his mother, and they're looking, and they ask what his name is. So when struggling for a name, the older Charles calls himself Charles Time after looking at a Time magazine that's lying around the Russell's house. Gee, it's a good thing Time magazine was there, because it would be weird if his name turned out to be Charles Newsweek. I'm just glad his name didn't turn out to be Charles Playgirl. (laughs) Or Charles Words. (laughs) Charles Hustler. Oh! So, older Charles inquires Chaz's mother about the apartment that's available for rent. So he gives his mother a $50 bill that has John Travolta's face on it. Oh man, insert your own Scientology e-meter joke here. Yikes. Travolta's face is on currency in 2011? Yikes. Uh, So Charles warns Chaz that something is going to happen that he doesn't want to happen to him. And Chaz thinks, this guy's cray-cray. So we then meet Chaz's friends, Booch and Eugene. Booch asks Chaz about his financial troubles that he and his mom are having. And Chaz's mom is behind on the payments, and they need to find a way for Chaz to keep the house. So they decide the night of a big lotto drawing, they're going to go to the mini bar and stage a robbery. Chaz initially doesn't want to rob the store, but he needs the money since the house is going to be repossessed. So Chaz and Booch go to the mini bar, and Jesus Christ, they look stupid. Chaz looks like Clark Kent, and Booch looks like an even more horrible double for Freddie Mercury. So Chaz attempts a robbery when it turns out Charles is behind the counter. Chaz decides not to go through with the robbery and decides to take a ticket for the lotto from Charles, although Eugene badly arrives late wearing a stupid-ass dress holding a gun. Charles asks them to all leave before they do anything stupid. St. Peter then arrives to Charles and he has this stupid trick with changing the color of his snow cones. Well, he's changing the color of the snow cones. Is he changing the flavor, too? <laughs> oh, man, that'd be awesome if you had your own snow cone. You could change the flavor to whatever you wanted. Yeah, but like, also at the same point, I mean, if he can change the color of a snow cone from, say, red to to yellow, uh, that yellow better not taste like cherry. The yellow better taste like lemon. If you know what I mean. 
<sighs> and I think it do. We we do. Yep. St. Peter says to Charles that he changed the circumstances of Chaz, but not his moral standards, because this is a series and we need this plot line to continue. So Charles must stay to help Chaz and teach him how to resist. Chaz then comes back to the minibar and finds out that Charles didn't give him the lot of numbers he asked, and that four of the numbers were the winning numbers. Charles didn't remember the other two. And in the process, Chaz wins a couple of thousands of thousand dollars helping out his money situation charles then asked chaz if the apartment hasn't been rented out if chaz can put a good word to his mother for him and that ends episode one by the way guys you're not going to believe another fact i found out about episode one did you know that in episode one they predicted in 1987 that colonel momar Gaddafi would die in the year 2011 that's freaky Yes. What is it with it, Fox uh, TV shows coming up with all these wacky predictions? Muammar Gaddafi dying in 2011. The Simpsons have made several predictions. Hi, Greg here at Post. One thing that I forgot to mention in the first episode is in the segment where Charles is trying to come up with a last name and he looks at the cover of Time Magazine, the cover of Time Magazine actually has a picture of Colonel Gaddafi's face on it. Continuing the the joke in the episode about Gaddafi being sent to hell by St. Peter earlier in the episode. Episode 2, moving in. Episode 2 opens with St. Peter and William Shakespeare having a conversation about a surprise party for the Lord when Charles comes in. Charles complains that he was dropped back in the past with no ID, and St. Peter says he must work things out for himself. So Charles comes to Chaz and his mom to get the apartment, and they wonder why he has no idea or anything. He came with nothing but a toothbrush. He can't give Chaz's mom any information as to his identity and says he has amnesia. Chaz's mom suggests maybe they should have him rent on a daily basis. Booch suggests that Chaz and Eugene should go to a beach party. Booch provides a fake ID that will help them get alcohol. It says he's 26 and he lives in Nebraska. Booch then goes up to Charles' apartment because Charles called him on Booch's cell. It was 555 stud. That's his actual number. Yep. Charles asks $100 for a fake ID from Booch. Booch shows Charles his fake ID, and then Charles remembers that it's the day of the beach party and that one of his friends drowned and died at the beach party and asks Booch to leave. Charles tries to get St. Peter to come up, but with no avail. Chaz then visits Charles as Charles tells Chaz if his friend Eddie will be at the beach party. Charles talks to Chaz as he tells a thinly veiled story of the night of the beach party from his point of view, where he was distracted by a girl named Barbie and vomited on sight. Charles tries to tell Chaz that it was the worst night of his life, while Chaz is very confused and leaves the room. Charles then eats with Chaz's mom for dinner as Chaz's mom says she's preparing to kick him out of the house because Chaz told her he hates his guts. Charles says he'll be gone by morning. Chaz's mom asks, where do you think you'll go? Charles replies, hell, I don't know. (laughs) Get it? Yeah. St. Peter then arrives at the apartment where he arrives in a tux to prepare for Shakespeare's new play. 
Charles says he messed up and bought a one-way ticket to hell. St. Peter tells Charles to open the door when Chaz comes in from the beach party when he talks about his experience and remembers the girl named Barbie was coincidentally there and gave him second thoughts about drinking. And then he saw Eddie in the ocean caught in a riptide and saved him since he was the only person at the party who was not drinking. Charles thinks that's it and is preparing to leave when Chaz says that he thinks Charles should get a second chance. To which Charles replies, Another one? (laughs) (laughs) Chaz then says... These are the jokes, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yep. Chaz then says he'll just tell his mom that he was only fooling about Charles wanting to leave. Episode 3. Plain Jane. St. Peter is getting a haircut from Delilah when Charles comes in from the middle of painting his bathroom in the apartment. St. Peter asks Charles how he's doing when he mentions the junior prom is coming up, which Charles does not remember, as St. Peter warns him to not repeat the same mistake which Charles is confused about. We then cut to Charles and Chaz eating dinner with Chaz's mom when Chaz's mom notices that they're both doing the same things at the same time while eating. Again, bootstrap paradox. Yep. Oh, and here we go. Call back to a previous entry. Jane the Nerdy Girl, played by Amy O'Neill, who we mentioned in previous installment, Where's Where's Rodney? Yep. Arrives, and it's clear that she has a crush on Chaz, as Charles tells Chaz they need to get out of the living room to watch Nazi robots from Mars. Jane tells Chaz's mom that she thinks Chaz made his date to the prom ages ago, since she doesn't have a date. Chaz's mom figures that Chaz likes her, so she tries to set up a date with her and Chaz for the prom. Chaz's mom then asks about Chaz's plans for the prom when she suggests Jane. Chaz was hoping to ask a fox to the prom, but he says he might as well ask Jane out for the dance. St. Peter then arrives to talk to Charles to take him to a donut shop in the year 2005, as St. Peter says to Charles that he stood up Jane at the prom for a cheerleader and shows her how her life got affected as she's a worker at the donut shop who's chastised by her boss because when she got ditched, she lost all of her self-respect. And it's now up to Charles to correct the mistake. Charles then is back in the year 1987 playing poker with Chaz, Booch, and Eugene. Booch asks if Chaz has a date and then reluctantly says he's taking Gene to the prom. Booch tries to set up Chaz with the cheerleader while Charles tries to say to Booch that he can't stand up Jane. But Chaz says he's going to go through it and stand Jane up. But Charles says that he'll be the one to do it instead because you do the same for me. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. We then go to prom night as Chaz, Booch, and Eugene are getting ready for the prom as Charles is taking the pictures at Chaz's house. When Chaz's mom brings Jane in and gasps, oh my god, guys, she's, she got a makeover! What? Yeah, I know. Chaz tells Booch that he's going to change his plans and take Jane out to the prom instead. As Booch says, sure, I'll ask the cheerleader if she'll go with Eugene instead. Spoiler alert. No. 
it was revealed that Charles gave Jane a new gown and a trip to the beauty salon. So we then go back to 2005 with St. Peter and Charles at the donut shop when it turns out that Jane is now a very successful businesswoman who owns the donut shop and twist her old boss is now in her janitor job. St. Peter decides to make Jane see Charles as they reunite and discuss prom night, as Jane called it, the greatest night of her life, and gives him a free brownie from the bakery. Aww. Now, episode four, Life Without Father. This is one of the three episodes from Second Chance that is not on YouTube, unfortunately. But I'll read the plot of it. Charles relives a pivotal event. The time his father, played by Richard Klein, made a fishing date with him and never showed up. Chaz and his father get into a fight. Chaz says, I wish you were dead. So St. Peter is brought to show Chaz what his life would be without his father. Oh, darn. I thought St. Peter might, like, kill his father and, well, that, that's too gory. No, yeah. that's in a no, that's in a later episode. Jeez. And we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's not freaky at all. <laughs> episode five, Oedipus Russell. This episode is also not on YouTube. Chaz misinterprets Charles' attempts to keep him from meddling in his mom's social life. Chaz also has a dream that he was a king. He was back at home with Booch, his old best friend, but when he woke up. He saw St. Peter watching over him as if he was protecting him from life. Uh, wait, this is this is Oedipus Russell, so Chaz yeah. is arranging a date for his mother and himself. Yeah. That's not weird at all. No, not weird at all. You know what's even more weirder? Episode uh 6! Handy boy. Oh, boy. St. Peter brings in Charles from shaving and tells him that he's messed around in his own past. Chaz's mom is off on a trip when Chaz and Charles arrive to meet Chaz's mom's friend, Wendy. Chaz mentions he's going to surprise his mom when she gets back because he's going to fix the stereo because his mom doesn't know he broke it. When Wendy offers Chaz to fix her stereo, Charles convinces Chaz to help her out and that causes the problem because Chaz went to install Wendy's stereo and then they got back to Chaz's house as Wendy makes the moves on Chaz and kisses him. So Chaz's mother's boss is making the moves on Chaz. Oh, this is this is not going to end well at all, guys. No, no, it will not. And no. uh, and again, stop me if you've heard that one before. Booch and Eugene then walk into the room. Eugene thinks that they're having a staring contest to see who would blink first. Wendy then leaves and tells Chaz he has a wall unit that needs to be installed. Get it? Uh-huh. Is that nope. something from the Thai Look Well School of Double Entendres? Yes. <laughs> Chaz tells Booch and Eugene about his situation that Wendy is his mom's boss and she wants him for sex, which causes Eugene to faint. Booch then gives Chaz three tips to handle an older woman. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm taking copious notes, Mike's going to use this later. Do not yep. use this later, Mike. Yeah, especially it's from Booch. 
In moments of extreme passion, avoid phrases like yippee, gee whiz, and this is neato. Pretend that you like all that old-fashioned stuff like the Beatles. And finally, don't hang on anything which isn't firmly secured. Okay, you know what? The third one is a good one. Number one sounds like something a teenager would say, which definitely you wouldn't want to use in front of an older woman. And then number two sounds like something that somebody probably older than than Wendy, Chaz's mom's friend, uh, would say. So it's, it's definitely one and two you definitely would not want to do. But number three, that's actually darn good. Don't hang on to anything which isn't firmly secured. Yep. That's just you, good life advice. Eugene then wakes up after Chaz gives his three tips and asks Booch and Chaz what they were talking about. Booch reminds him it's about if Chaz should have sex with his mom's boss when Eugene then faints again. Ha, Eugene ha, ha. Se- yeah, Eugene seems to faint quite a bit in this show. Yep. Well, he's Eugene. He's a, scraggle- he's a scraggly little boy then. St. Peter then tells Charles that it's disastrous since Charles was sent back to keep Chaz away from temptation. So Charles is sent back to stop Chaz from going through with having sex with his mom's boss. So Charles and Chaz are having a breakfast of ice cream, potato chips, and candy when Charles talks about the date with Wendy. Chaz figures that he must have quote-unquote it and tells Charles that Wendy and him are getting together again tonight. But Charles asks, does this feel right? Chaz's answer is yes. Charles wants Chaz to dig deep and ask to find the part that tells him what is right and wrong. And then Chaz's mom arrives early from her trip, and Chaz tells her that he can't stop by Wendy's to fix the wall unit. Chaz's mom then says, I would appreciate it if you do whatever she wants. Uh Uh-oh. And then she says, she'll probably try to pay you, Just tell her it's on the house. And if she's not happy the first time, do it over. Man, did she go to the same school of Ty Lookwell uh, favors that need extra attention? I I just am wondering if if Chaz's mom uh, knows Herb Abrams uh, talking about uh, she'll try to pay you. Just make sure you don't pay with a check. It's got to be cash. Yep. It's cash and cash only. St. Peter then calls Charles back from shaving again to tell him Chaz is off to see Wendy right now and warns Charles if he doesn't stop Chaz, he's going to roast in hell. So Chaz is at Wendy's house when the phone rings as Chaz's mom calls Wendy to ask him to pick a dozen eggs from the store, but she knows him and Wendy will want to get started. Get it? Yeah. Chaz decides that he can't go through with this because it would cause problems for his mom and that it could lead to taking phone calls on Donahue. It's 1987, folks. And tells Wendy that it's over, but not before he plants a fancy kiss on Wendy and says, now it's over. Charles and St. Peter arrive at Wendy's house to celebrate Chaz not going through with it, but St. Peter says... He feels sorry for Wendy and tells Charles to do something about it. Wendy then walks into the room and Charles asks Wendy if they would like to go see a movie together. And they do. 
Episode 7, To Have Loved and Lost. This is another episode that's not on YouTube. Chaz's first job leads to his first love. An experienced Charles wishes Chaz would avoid. Chaz broke up with his girlfriend that he has been in love with since the first grade, and the older version of Charles Russell tries to make her forgive him by giving her flowers. But she refuses, and she tells Chaz she wants to take a break. Now, this is the first appearance of Chaz's on-again, off-again girlfriend, Debbie, played by Terry Ivins, who figures prominently in the retooled version of this show, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Also not the only Debbie that Terry Ivins plays. Really? Because what else... Whatever Debbie. She did, plays she play. Debbie, who is the big sister of R.J. Williams' Sam character on the live-action interstitials of Wake, Rattle, and Roll. What the With, heck is Wake, Rattle, and Roll? It's um, it's a it's a it's a morning show with uh, R.J. Williams, Avery Schreiber, and and a bunch of Hanna Barbera cartoons. Okay, you mentioned Avery Schreiber. Now I got to check this out. After we're done with this. And the robot who's voiced by Rob Paulson. Oh yeah, robot with Rob Paulson. I'm in, baby. Peter and Stallman. Yeah, we, that's going to be on the list after this episode if it's not on I got you. Episode 8, Midterm Blues. Charles is back from a trip at Death Valley when he's talking to St. Peter. St. Peter tells Charles that Chaz and Booch got in trouble. The previous night... Chaz and Eugene were studying for a test when Booch let them know his plan for the test is to cheat looking at Eugene's answers, figuring he's not going to get caught. Charles warns them that they can't cheat and that the teacher, Mr. Jack, will be watching like a hawk. Booch figures since it's a multiple choice test, he wants Eugene to have a plan. If it's an A, Eugene coughs. If it's a B, Eugene clears his throat. If it's a C, Eugene sneezes. If it's a D, Eugene blows his nose. That man, sounds familiar, but I don't know from where. Man, Booch was really ahead of its time. Maybe that's where Charles Ingram got his plan to cheat on Millionaire. I know, right? <laughs> so the test occurs, and Eugene isn't there at first. Mr. Jack, played by Stuart Pankin, comes into the room, and he's very stern. He doesn't want anyone to pick up the answers. Eugene arrives late awkwardly because he got his head stuck in the locker. Because of course he did. Yep. Because Eugene! Yeah. Mr. Jack reads the paper as Eugene gives his cues to Booch, but it turns out, what? Eugene has a cold! So there's a series of scenes where Chaz, Booch, and Eugene pass notes to each other to distract from Mr. Jack as Booch's note asks Chaz if he can give the answers. Chaz does, which makes Mr. Jack suspicious, and he discovers the note from Booch as Chaz claims he was helping no one and is ordered to go to the principal's office. But before he's about to go, Mr. Jack orders the person who wrote it to speak up, which Booch doesn't. Chaz's mom asks Chaz who wrote the note, and Chaz can't tell her, so he's grounded for two months as punishment. Booch then arrives at the house as Chaz says he's gotten pressure to tell on him, but Booch has news to cheer Chaz up. He found a $5 bill. Well, that's good news. 
Chaz wants Booch to take the rap for him, but Booch doesn't want to take the fall and confess. St. Peter left a note signed by Charles on Booch's door as Booch arrives to Charles' department. Booch says Charles left a weird note, which was on a scroll. Get it? He left a note on a scroll. Like something. Because in heaven they don't have no beds. No, they don't. Charles tells Booch he needs his help to find the guy that Chaz is trying to protect. And says because Booch is Chaz's best friend, he needs to help Chaz find the cheater. Booch asks Charles why he's so concerned about Chaz. And Charles says, I feel... Like I'm living my life over again through him. To which Booch replies, yeah, why don't you just get a dog? (laughs) Because he doesn't know who Charles' time is. No. Chaz is back in Mr. Jack's room to ask who Chaz is trying to protect or he'll be expelled from school when Booch confesses to the crime. Mr. Jack says he feels generous and because Booch came in and confessed that he cheated... It won't appear on their permanent records, but they'll both get an F for the midterm, and Jack suggests they both study for the final. So we close with Chaz and Booch playing a quiz ball competition with Charles as the host to close out the show. Nice. Yes. Anything to add, Mike? Nope. <laughs> okay, then. All right, and the final episode of Second Chance, episode nine, A Hunting We Will Go. Chaz is going out for a trip in the woods with Booch and Eugene when Charles remembers something terrible happened on the trip. St. Peter is called from a softball game, and he appears complete in a ridiculous coach's uniform with a uniform and a jacket. Because they probably take their softball seriously up in heaven. They take everything else seriously up in heaven. Yeah, can you imagine? Be- can you imagine Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig on your beer league softball team up in heaven? Ty Cobb would be pissed. Well, they do take their baseball very seriously up there in heaven because th- their favorite team is the Angels. Bravo, Mike! <laughs> very well done, Mike. Charles says that on that trip, Booch brought a gun to the campsite. And Chaz on the trip ended up getting shot. Eugene gets spooked by something out in the woods. And Chaz goes out to investigate the situation. When Booch and Eugene hear a grizzly bear in the background. And Eugene ends up accidentally shooting Chaz in the shoulder. So Charles ends up going to the campsite to take the gun away from Booch while he's sleeping. When Charles comes back home. He finds a robber who was in Chaz's house as the robber immediately runs away when he sees Charles with the gun. St. Peter informs Charles that Chaz still thinks guns are cool and that he screwed up, so the gun is magically transported at the campsite. See, I told you he was responsible for Puchinski going into the dog. I never said he wasn't. Mike didn't. Well, you're going to have to take it up with him. No comment, Mike. Uh, St. Peter is responsible for putting... No, as I said, Puchinski and the dog, they no. had that that natural connection. 
their eyes were meeting and they were looking at each other in the eyes. They, they were that was when the soul was transferred from Puchinski to the dog. No, you're wrong, Mike. No. No, one day. That's still not enough. So we're back uh, at the situation. Oh. <laughs> so Prove me ba- wrong. Oh, oh, wait. You, you, you did because the Twitter poll said that a, a pet cannot be a beloved uh, uh, part of the family after one day. Th- thank you, Twitter, for for betraying me again. Well, in fairness, Mike, it is Twitter. They are wrong about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Fair enough. So we're back at the situation with the bear. And instead of Chaz getting shot, Charles gets shot in the shoulder instead. And Chaz learns a lesson that guns aren't cool. So Chaz, Booch, and Eugene make a makeshift stretcher for Charles to get back to the car, which doesn't work. Charles decides, never mind, I'll walk. And guess what? That's the last time we saw Charles. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess apparently after Chaz learned his lesson that guns aren't cool, St. Peter said, you know what? That's enough, Charles. You're done. You're getting to heaven, baby. Or Fox executives came in and said, this is such a horrible TV show. We've got to revamp it. We're going to redo the whole show. We're going to get rid of the St. Peter element and Charles time. And we're going to just make this about the teenagers. About Booch and Eugene and Chaz. Yeah, because thanks to Fox audience research, they decided, you know what? You know what? This show, it's getting it's getting horrible reviews. It's getting horrible ratings. We, we got to just retool this show. And so they retooled it into Boys Will Be Boys. Yeah, the revamped version. Yeah, that's a bop. They they pretty much ro- they pretty much added a few bars to the second chance theme and rocked it up as uh, Bob Howard and Rick or Bob Worth and Rick Howard. Sorry, are up to do. Everything's now changed. So apparently Charles Russell he's now into heaven, I guess, and uh, Saint Peter's gone. So now it's just now it's just Chaz. His, his friends, and his mom. So let's get into Boys Will Be Boys. Episode 10, the first episode of Boys Will Be Boys, Hot Wheels. Chaz is working in the garage when Debbie arrives and asks to borrow his weed whacker. And then Debbie asks Chaz on a date, 
which leads to that weird ass dance that Matthew Perry does at the start of the Boys Will Be Boys credits. Yep. Like I, I, I can, I can't replicate that. I don't see anybody who could replicate that. No. I mean, that's that's, man, that's like, jeez, I. Uh, I got no words to say about that. Anyway, Chaz's mom has come up with a good name for her fragrance business called Good Sense. What? Sense? S-C-E-N-T-S? Fragrance? Yeah. I I guess. Chaz's mom says that Chaz can't take the car because she's taking his 94-year-old grandmother to the hospital for a facelift. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a common thing in California. Your 94-year-old grandmothers, they, they really want their facelifts. So Chaz asks to borrow Booch's car to no luck, but Booch changes his mind when Chaz shows him a peek of Debbie using the weed racker through his binoculars. Booch says he knows a guy who can get Chaz a car. Booch then gets Chaz a fancy 1987 Corvette, and Chaz asks how Booch got a car for $500, and it turns out that Booch stole the car. Uh-oh. And it turns out it has one of those fancy-ass 1987-88-era car phones. Oh, so those, no. Yeah, those were the rage back in the day. You got a car with a car phone. You're set. Yeah, the moral of the story is, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Yep. 500 mm-hmm. for a Corvette? Yeah, there's yeah, something wrong with it. Something's that, that, wrong with it. It's that car, stolen that, or... That car's hot. Yep. yep. It's either stolen or uh, not a Corvette or a- aftermarket or something, but something's wrong with it. Yep. Chaz says there's no way he could use the car since it's stolen, and he wants to take the car back when Debbie walks in and sees the car and is impressed by the Corvette, causing Chaz to act casual. Chaz decides he'll keep the car for one night and then give it back, but until then, he and Boots decide to take the car for a test drive, and Chaz says, this is going to be the best night of my life. Well, Chaz and Boots get taken to the jail for stealing the Corvette. And it is not good times in the jail as Chaz and Booch run into a paranoid businessman in the jail who killed seven people and said he didn't do it and blames it on a small puppet named Buffy who has an axe. Whoops. (laughs) Eugene then comes to the jail and informs them that Chaz's mom is providing them with a bail as Chaz frets that he's most likely dead. Chaz's mom then have a heart-to-heart talk back at the house, settling the situation. So this is just standard sitcom fare. Yeah. Trouble happens. Yeah. Parent takes him home. Parent says, do you know what you did wrong? Yeah, mom, I won't do it again. And everybody lives happily ever after, at least until the next episode. Yep. And the next episode, actually the next two series of episodes are two porters. So episodes 11 and 12, Viva Las Vegas. Chaz tells his mother that he's going on a retreat and then joins Booch and Eugene on a trip to Las Vegas. Chaz's excuse is that he tells his mother 
that he wants to devote his life and become a priest. And his mom asks, what makes him think he has a calling? Now get this, guys. Chaz claims that late at night, right after Crosswits, something drew Chaz... Yeah, right after Crosswits, something drew Chaz to his bedroom window. A white light shining over the shell station. So his excuse is he's going to a seminary. Now wait, I need clarification. Was he watching the 70s version of Crosswits, or was he watching future installment, the David Sparks version of Crosswits? Probably the latter, but you never know. I don't know. It's Los Angeles. You know, they, they air some weird stuff in reruns there. They do. The boys arrive in Vegas at a dump of a motel, which looks like they just reskinned the garage from the previous episode. The person who runs the motel says, quote unquote, this is the Sonny Bono suite. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, (laughs) yeah. After a phone call to Chaz's mom, his mom finds the brochure for the Lucky Seven Motel in Chaz's wash. The Lucky Seven Motel, I think I'm getting the calling myself. So Chaz, Booch, and Eugene hit the casinos where Chaz rides a hot streak in craps where Booch decides that they should risk all their money on one roll of the dice, which is where part one ends. But don't fret, guys. He wins on the roll of the dice. Yeah, what a cheap tease. The people at the casino check Chaz's fake ID, and for some reason, it checks out because it's 1988, guys. So it was the David Sparks version of Crosswits. <laughs> That's your takeaway? <laughs> Chaz, ends up... others, yeah. <laughs> Chaz ends up with a girl named Bambi who plays the Statue of Liberty at a show at the casino, and he takes her back to the motel for some sprites from the soda machine and then make out. Booch is having hard luck when he tries playing craps, but the proprietor of the casino says... They'll lend Booch money on the condition he'll pay back, and Booch accepts. Eugene this never ra- works out. No, it does not. This is not going to end well at all for Booch. Eugene then runs into Booch, where he was at a circus show and is in full ridiculous clown makeup. Meanwhile, back at the motel, Chaz is ready to have sex with Bambi, but Bambi asks Chaz if she can do a favor and asks the manager of the motel to borrow a jar of mayonnaise as Chaz leaves the room. Bambi then steals a manila envelope that has the $60,000 that Chaz won in the craps game. Booch then finds Chaz back at the motel room when Booch discovers that Bambi, along with the cash, is gone. Booch can't believe that Chaz fell for the mayonnaise trick. Booch tells Chaz he's in a spot since he owns the casino money for the craps game. They decide they're going to get back at Bambi by going to the show she's at. So Booch is dressed ridiculously like George Washington as he confronts Bambi by saying that Chaz is quote-unquote part of the Russell fortune and that he's ridiculously rich, around $400 million. So Bambi goes back to the motel room with the envelope of money claiming she was captured by the PLO. Again, 1988 people. Yeah. Chaz tells Bambi there's no Russell fortune I'm just an ordinary guy. Bambi promptly leaves when Chaz's mom finally arrives to confront Chaz and Booch, and she lets the casino proprietor know that they're both 17. When Chaz and Booch 
let her know that she gave away $40,000. They rush out of the room because they can still catch him. And that's where the episode ends. Oh, boy. This is part, this is, that's where part two ends? That's the end of, that's the end of the, uh, that's the end of the series of episodes. Oh. So there's another series right after, oh, wait. There's another, yeah, there's another two-porter right after this. It's a and very, the, and it's there's... a very special episode, guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is gonna, this is gonna be something, huh? Episodes 13 and 14 changes part one and two. Chaz is on a date with Debbie when his mom catches them smooching. Chaz says that he needs some privacy, so he figures the room of the garage is now tenantless, so he'll live there in order to gain some independence. Booch is having issues with his alcoholic father, so he offers to be Chaz's roommate. Booch thanks Chaz's mom for letting him move in with Chaz, talk about his problems with his father, and feels like everything is, is his fault, and feels like he needs to help his father. Chaz's mom says until he gets his life together, he's better off at their house. Chaz and Debbie then have a date at the apartment while Booch is supposed to patch things up with his father when Booch busts in and skips it because he wouldn't talk to him. Chaz is pissed at Booch, and Booch is about to be kicked out of the apartment by Chaz when Chaz's mother comes in to let Booch know that his father was hit by a car and was killed, ending part one. Gee, guys, where the hell was St. Peter to stop this? I have no idea. I'm still wondering. I'm still wondering where, uh, well, I, 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 I'm still wondering where Kill Martin is. Yeah. I don't know. Part two opens with Chaz Booch, Chaz's mom, and Eugene coming back from Booch's dad's funeral. Booch is depressed because they were four of the only five people to show up at the funeral. The fifth was his dad's bartender. Chaz's mom lets Booch know that it's painful for him, but it will get better. But Booch is angry because he knew his dad had a drinking problem and could have fixed it. Chaz tries to cheer Booch back up at the apartment and sees that Booch gets a letter from his father's insurance company where Booch was allowed to check for ten grand, but Booch feels like he doesn't deserve it since it doesn't make up for his dad being gone. Booch then shows Chaz and Eugene a motorcycle that he got with the check he got from the insurance company, and he's basically in IDGAF mode. What does IDGAF mode mean, Greg? Oh, you know what it means, Mike. Oh, I don't give a flip. Yeah. That would be the G-rated version. Yep. Yeah, we gotta keep that clean rating on, on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we lost it long ago, buddy, with those those dialogue school in episode six. <laughs> Eugene warns Chaz that Booch is trying to hang a banner in an abandoned building to play a prank on a rival high school, but the problem is he's on a fire escape hanging the banner while there's strong wind. Chaz goes to the building to try and stop Booch, but the fire escape breaks and both are hanging from the fire escape as both try to climb back onto the window as Chaz saves Booch's life. Booch gets back home and figures... He started taking risks because he felt he didn't deserve to live and he never got a chance to tell his dad before he died how he felt about him and how he's never going to make the same mistake again and tells Chaz and Chaz's mom how happy he is to have him in his life. All. Aww. But what about the motorcycle? Oh, he still has the motorcycle, baby. 
Okay, I thought there might be some closure with the motorcycle. Okay. There's never a closure on this show, but that's the part of the charm of it. Yep. Episode 15, The Girl Next Door. Chaz is in trouble when Debbie catches him kissing another girl. What happens is, Booch brought a softball team over to the apartment, and Debbie caught Chaz making out with one of the players on the softball team. Oh, no's. So Chaz goes out on a date with the softball player he made out with on the Santa Monica Pier, and all Chaz can think about on the date is Debbie, and then the girl leaves him. And worst of all, Chaz falls off a rock into the ocean and breaks his leg. But don't worry. Chaz goes out catching Debbie in her room with another guy, and Chaz scares him away. And at the end of the episode, Chaz and Debbie get back together as Chaz realizes he messed up. This sounds like a potential pilot for Cheaters about 12 years early. Right? Episode 16, South of the Border. Chaz is trying to get Debbie a gift for their six-month anniversary when Chaz's mom suggests to go to Tijuana since the peso keeps getting devalued, so he goes there with Booch and Eugene. The gang enters a Mexican bar after their car gets busted as they're trying to get a water pump for their car. They try to sweet-talk the proprietor of the bar to get the water pump on one condition. She wants to have sex with Chaz. What is it? Wait, wait, wait. What is it with everybody? All the females on this show want to have sex with Chaz. He's 17. That's illegal. Even in 1988. Mike, you're bringing up logic on this show. I I get it's a, a Fox TV show from 1987 and 88. And logic is totally thrown out the window. But still. Come on. Chaz and the woman then go to her room, and Chaz can't go through with it because he can't cheat on Debbie. But here's the twist. The woman's husband enters the room and is angry at her, but the woman only did it to make her husband jealous. Wow. So the proprietor of the bar lets Chaz get his gift and gives him the water pump he needs for the car free of charge. As Chaz gives Debbie her anniversary gift, Eugene enters into the apartment riding a donkey. (laughs) <laughs> I think they stole that from from Shakespeare. <laughs> I may be wrong on that, though. Episode 17, The Gang. So we have another semi-regular enter in the show. Adam Sadowski from previous entry, It's Your Move, as a semi-regular named Alex. Now, the character of Alex was in one of the three episodes of Second Chance that's sadly not on YouTube. And funny enough, Charles Russell found out that Alex was also sent by St. Peter on a mission from God. How did that turn out? I don't know, because apparently it's all forgotten about, because obviously the show got retold. I guess I guess maybe I guess maybe he finished doing whatever his work was for St. Peter and so he figured, well, you might as well work at a fast food restaurant now, Alex. So basically the episode opens up. Chaz gets a new job as the assistant manager of a fast food restaurant called Zorro Burger. 
that Eugene and Alex work for. And when we see Alex for the first time, he's in the middle of eating everything because he felt it was important to familiarize himself with the product line. That's my excuse. Yeah. Uh-huh. Eugene is also not very good at interacting with customers because a customer asks if their French fries are real, but Eugene says that they're not from France. Wow. Wow. Booch becomes enamored with an attractive redhead named Kyla at the fast food place who's involved with a gang, and shocker, the other members of the gang are not happy about it. Booch and Kyla are going out on a date to the Santa Monica Pier, where Kyla gets shot off screen by the gang on the way to the pier. Booch then goes to the gang to confront the gang when Chaz arrives with his workers from Zorro Burger, and they're just armed with stuff from around the restaurant. Eugene is armed with a colander, while Alex is armed with a spatula. And surprise, guys, he's eating French fries when he arrives. What's this, what's this guy in French fries, man? The, the Zorro Burger fries must be really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys, I think probably you think the Zorro Burger has a great takeout business that's provided by the Philly Mafia. <laughs> they got well, a great takeout business. Well, well that would be by the Santa Monica Mafia, wouldn't it? Hey, the Philly Mafia's got connections, man. Yeah, well, East Coast, West Coast. Yep. The gang member who was Kyla's ex-boyfriend's little brother comes into the room to tell him that he heard on the news that Kyla died of her injuries at the hospital, and he decides that enough is enough and decides that being in a gang just isn't cool. And he walks away along with the other members of the gang, leaving the poor bastard who shot and killed her all alone. And he's later in a newspaper article read by Chaz's mother, revealed to have been taken into custody. The staff at Zorro Burger names a burger in Kyla's honor called the Kyla Burger. I wonder what's in the Kyla Burger. I don't know, man. I don't Kyla? know. Oh, go to your room and think about what you've done. You you knew I was going to say that. But you know, guys, another situation that St. Peter could have stopped. And he didn't. Darn the retooling. Oh, and by the way, guys, I got to point out while watching this episode, there's a crazy ad at the end for Crispy Critters cereal from Post. Where the mascot for Crispy Critters is talking with a bunch of parents about how Crispy Critters is low in sugar and is good for kids. The lie detector determined that was a lie. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand why that. Why the mascot talks like Jimmy Durant, Randy. Because it's the 80s and all the old-timey people sound like Jimmy Durante. Uh But also, the Crispy Curtis mascot looks a little bit like uh, somebody we've talked about for a number of months, Freddy Freaker. Oh, yes, Freddy Freaker. You'll find out about him more in an episode later this year. I think that's even more. That's I think along with Second Chance slash Boys Will Be Boys, we've been awaiting that along with this show from the beginning. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. Episode 18, 
the secret of their success. Because get it, guys, it's a timely reference because the Michael J. Fox movie, The Secret of My Success, came out a couple months earlier. Uh, oh, I get it. Yeah. I remember that. Yep, that'll be another thing we'll cover on it was the thing at the movies on Patreon. Jeez, how many movies is that now for the spinoff podcast? Like a baker's dozen? Uh, about. More or yep. less. Booch bakes some cookies when Chaz and his mother are impressed with how good his cookies are. So Booch surprises a date on her birthday at Zora Burger with his cookies, and she loves them. And also, not surprisingly, Alex walks over and eats one of the cookies, and everyone at the restaurant is trying them out. Eugene calls it the best cookies ever had, when funny enough, guess who we cut to? Alex? No. Wally Famous Amos, who's reading a paper and says, don't you mean the second best cookie you've ever tasted? And then Eugene walks up to Famous Amos and says, you look familiar. And Famous Amos points to the picture of the box of cookies with his face on it. And Eugene is like, no, that's not it. Chaz points <laughs> out Chaz points out that it's Famous Amos and asks him to try the cookies. And even he's like, wow, these are some good cookies. Amos wishes Booch luck on his cookies and walks off, making Booch have the idea to go to business with his cookies. Booch decides he's going to go to business with his cookies and quit school. And we all learned that that's not cool because 1988. Chaz thinks it's a stupid idea since Booch will never get anywhere without a high school diploma. While Eugene in response says it's not only that Booch will end up with only one leg because his uncle dropped out of high school and was run over by a wheat thresher and then married a pretty lady who also had one leg. Okay. Was her name Eileen? Oh! I'm going to my room. Chaz's mom tries to convince Booch not to drop out of school, but he wants to do something for them. But they'd be prouder if Booch stayed in school. But Booch is like, nope. Booch is looking for startup money for the cookie business, which he only has $7.50. He tries to get Chaz to loan some money, and he's like, nope. Booch then goes back to Chaz that he hasn't been getting cookies to sell to supermarkets since they don't want designer cookies. And he points out, did you know Jessica Hahn has a cookie and you wouldn't believe the picture on the bag? Guys, 1988. Yeah. Yeah, bet you those Jessica Hahn cookies aren't as good as Herb Abrams' UWF cookies. Oh. Well, they don't have the hint of baby oil and cocaine, I'm afraid. Oh, jeez. Booch is out of money when Chaz thinks his boss, Mr. Warren, will buy them. Mr. Warren tries the cookie and he likes it and thinks he can sell them to the other Zorro Burger owners. But when Booch says he'll sell them for $8 a bag, he tells him to get lost. One other note about Mr. Warren. I forgot to mention the actor who plays Mr. Warren in episode 18, Earl Bone, is best known for playing Dr. Peter Silberman in Terminators 1, 2, and 3. And he's notable for being the only actor other than Arnold Schwarzenegger to appear in the first 
three Terminator movies. And he also will turn up in future installments, The Law and Harry McGraw, along with a guest spot in future installment, Just Our Law. All right, back with the episode. So Booch is depressed and decides since he's a failure, he's just going to try and leave town and go on a flight to leave to Toledo, Ohio. But since it's 1988 and security on airports will let anyone in, Chaz goes into the airport and convinces Booch that failing doesn't make him a loser, but giving up does. Booch decides that he'll go back to school because he figures that then he can run a business the right way. Yep. Hey, it's 1988. School is awesome. Oh, but he might have to rethink that after episode 19, The Front. We open with the return of Stuart Pankin as Mr. Jack, and he's given a slideshow at the school, boring the crap out of everyone except Eugene, who claps and says, God bless America. <laughs> because, of course, Eugene would do that. Chaz offers to help Mr. Jack return the AV cart back to the library when an attractive girl walks into the room, drawing Booch's attention. And as he talks to her, shocker, the girl turns out to be Mr. Jack's daughter. And Mr. Jack doesn't want his daughter hanging out with somebody like Booch. And Booch, quote-unquote, promises to never go near her again. We then cut to Booch and Mr. Jack's daughter at the apartment, where they talk about how dumb it is that they have to hide their relationship in private. So they decide to go on a date and have a cover for Mr. Jack's daughter to have someone drive her to the date. So they decide to use Chaz as the middleman in the front. So then we see Chaz at Mr. Jack's house to pick up his daughter when Mr. Jack shows Chaz the pictures on his wall of former vice presidents because in Mr. Jack's mind, they are the forgotten heroes. So when Chaz picks up Mr. Jack's daughter, oh my god, he fingerprints Chaz to sign him out of the house. Because he's nuts. Mr. Jack's daughter is in the bathroom of the apartment, changing, when Debbie walks into the room and sees Mr. Jack's daughter and thinks Chaz is fooling around with her. When Boots walks in after she leaves, sarcastically saying, gee, that's terrible. And he goes on the date with Mr. Jack's daughter, who's dressed up as stereotypically 80s on a date as you can get. Shoulder pads? Um, yeah, pretty much. So Booch and Mr. Jack's daughter Monica go on the date, and Chaz takes a nap, but oh my god, Booch arrives back with Mr. Jack's daughter at 4 a.m. when he was supposed to take Monica back to the house five hours ago, and they arrive back at Mr. Jack's house and he's pissed at Chaz because he liked him. He says, I actually showed you my picture of Gerald Ford, and he orders Chaz to leave. Ooh. Now this date, you said it was stereotypically 80s. Are we talking frizzy hair, uh, shoulder pads, the whole nine? Yeah. Pretty much. So we go back to school the next day as Mr. Jack looks for a volunteer to collect the homework. Chaz raises his arm, but Mr. Jack instead decides to go with Alex to collect the papers because it would look great on his permanent record. It's always about permanent records on this show. Yeah. 
Booch is reading a note from Mr. Jack's daughter in the class, which says that her father is grounding her for six months. And Booch confronts Mr. Jack, saying that Chaz was just covering for her and that he was the one who kept her out all night. So Mr. Jack dismisses the class, but Booch confesses he's serious about his daughter, that he makes Mr. Jack read her her note, and Booch promises to treat her right. Mr. Jack offers to take Booch's prints and will get back to him. Also, Debbie forgives Chaz for the incident with Monica earlier, since it turned out he was covering for Booch and gives him a hug, while Mr. Jack screams, no premarital hugging. Greg, you failed to mention one thing, and I don't know if you caught this. Okay. Did you you see who played Monica, Mr. Jack's daughter, in this episode? No. It was someone who would go to somewhat of a level of stardom not much later after this. Erica Aleniak, who would end up on Baywatch. Oh! Oh! Yeah. Oh, that's something. Talk about talk about uh, somebody who turned their uh, career around after this show. And speaking of Baywatch, guys, we'll be talking about Baywatch in future installment, the episode of Baywatch where Hulk Hogan and Brandy Savage get starred. Ah. Oh, that's going to be great. Episode 20, Two Men and a Baby. Guys, another time we reference to a movie that's recently come out. Booch's crazy former girlfriend, Lana, returns to town with a baby she claims is his. After encountering Booch at Zorro Burger, she leaves her baby, Anthony, at the doorstep of Chaz and Booch's apartment. So Booch is left in charge of the baby, and after spending time with him, he grows attached to the baby, and he wants to take care of it. So he asks Chaz if he can work over at Zorro Burger. So he's doing tasks at Zorro Burger while the baby is in the back of the restaurant. I don't think the boss is going to like that there's a baby in the back of a restaurant. Who knows? It's 1988. That might just be a hook. Maybe of... maybe the boss is a baby, sort of like Alec Baldwin in that movie. Lana later arrives back at the apartment, and Booch asks why she waited, and then dumped the baby on the doorstep. It's because she wanted it to be a surprise. Booch asks Lana that because he now has a job, they should consider getting married. But then Chaz comes into the room and turns on the news, which reports that a toddler was taken from a Zora burger and has discovered that Lana stole the baby in order to get together with Booch. Because, as I said, she's crazy. Ah. Booch calls the cops on her, and the baby is reunited with its real mother, who thanks Booch for what he did taking care of the baby. Aww. Pooch is a little softy. And the final episode, episode 21, The Triangle. This is the only episode from Boys Will Be Boys that is not on YouTube, but I'll just just read the uh, description from TV.com, and this is basically it. Pooch goes on a date with Chaz and Debbie, but he feels like a third wheel. Okay, that's it. That's it for Boys Will Be Boys, guys. So, on the whole... Of the whole 21 episodes, what are our thoughts about this series? It went from sitcom with a hook to just a plain old sitcom really quickly. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, at least with, and I was, and I watched all the available episodes that were on YouTube. And I'll say this, at least with Second Chance, like, there's a gimmick to the show. It may not be the best gimmick for a show that's been used on countless other sitcoms before or since, but at least it had some kind of a hook. With Boys Will Be Boys, it's just like your average run-of-the-mill late 80s sitcom. It's like uh, boys, boys Will Be Boys. Boys Will Be Boys was basically Silver Spoons sexed up a bit. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's what I gathered. From and it would make sense because guess who was involved with the show? David Duclaude and Gary Mentier and Jim Gogan. Mike, do you have any thoughts? No, Chico stole my thought. You you had a hook, and once that hook didn't uh, really catch on, you reverted to a pretty stale sitcom format that everybody was doing at that time. Yeah, and it and it didn't and it didn't really help the and it didn't really help Fox any either because after the after those twelve episodes got the hook. Yeah. And you, so, know what, you know what replaced it, Mike? Oh, what did re- replace? Family gonna... Double Dare. I was going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Family Double Dare. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Family Double Dare replaced Boys Will Be Boys? Well, yeah, Family Double Dare would have aired uh, mid-88. And uh, last episode uh, was May 7th of 88. And, uh, yeah, Fox wasn't... How many nights were they airing back then? Maybe three at most? Well, it was two episodes. Because remember, back then, and especially in the advertisements for Second Chance, it was advertised as Fox Weekend Television. So they were only airing Saturdays and Sundays. And, of course, late nights, they would be airing Joan Rivers at 1130. Right. Or 11. Okay, yeah, I, I know they started at least with two nights to begin, but I thought uh, maybe it was fall of 88 they added a third night or a fourth night. Yeah. Okay. And, and aside from that, uh, Fox Television, because they were the uh, offshoot of the Metro Media, still had like a catalog of shows that were being distributed to Fox and or syndication in general. Those would be uh, the, your Small Wonder, future installment, the syndication runs of Finders, Keepers, and Double Dare. Well, well, this sitcom came and went. The one good thing about this show, guys, was clearly Matthew Perry. Well, oh, surely I... wasn't his friends, I'll say that much. I see what you did there, Mike. I really didn't do anything. I, I, I think Eugene was a dweeb, and uh, Booch, he came across as an arrogant stereotype. Yep. But when you watch Second Chance and Boys Will Be Boys, you got the sense when watching it, if Matthew Perry could just be cast in the right series, he was going to be a major star. And sure, it took maybe a couple of other sitcoms and a guest-starring turn in a very special episode of Growing Pains. But damn it, he got the right show after he got out of a show 
where he played a baggage handler in an LAX airport in 2194. And if we can find the footage of that, that will be an installment. Yes, because, man, I mean, God, Ryan Stiles, jeez. Yeah, because if that made it to series, Matthew Perry would have never been on Friends, because that was fall of 94. And that... And that made it to series Ryan Styles would have never been on Drew Carey. And which means he probably well, he may have been on on whose line, but yeah, I mean what what would have happened if if LAX twenty one ninety four actually became a series? Does Matthew Perry go on to Friends? No. Does Ryan Styles go on to Drew Carey? Probably not, but you never know. I mean a lot of what ifs. A lot of what ifs indeed. But yeah, that's not a a submission as of right now because I think all that is out there is maybe the first two minutes of of an episode or or two minutes of footage, not the entire pilot. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, guys, second chance 1987, and boys will be boys. We had St. Peter. We had Charles Russell. We had Chaz. We had Booch and Eugene. And we had wacky hijinks. But guys, in 1987 and 1988, they were just a thing on TV. They were a thing on TV twice. Yeah. And it failed twice. Yep. All right, guys. It's time to play a game of eBay Prices Right. So, Chico, you, you have an item, I, I assume. I do have an item. The item up for bid is a slide. Okay, because this was the item I was going to ask about. Okay. Okay. Wait, do, so, do I will not part, so I will not participate in this. I will let okay. Mike just guess the price. Okay, Mike. You're bidding on a second chance cast slide. With your back-to-back, Matthew Perry and Keel Martin. Are we playing this clock game style? or, or Yeah, is... you know what? Greg, give me 30 seconds. Oh, hold on. I gotta get a stopwatch. I gotta get my iPhone. <laughs> we, are, we are evolving the podcast right now. Yeah, we're gonna be playing a pricing game now. Okay, you tell me when to start, and I'll start the clock. No, 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 we are we're we are playing uh, we're playing clock game rules. So Mike has to yeah. give me a bid, and, and yeah, you, you'll say higher or lower, right? And, and I'll just start... and, and, and dollars and dollars and cents, please, Mike. Yeah, and, dollars and, and cents, right? And I've got thirty seconds to win this slide. Yeah, yes, and you, you t- do. And Chico, you tell me when to start the clock. Okay, with Mike, my first bid. What's your per- oh, that's what you said. Oh yeah, oh part- yeah. I forgot. I forgot how the clock game works. Okay. Okay. Nineteen ninety nine. Lower. Fourteen ninety nine. Higher. Fifteen ninety nine. Lower. Fifteen fifty. Lower. Fifteen even. He he's got it. Okay. I won the slide. 
You won the slide. If you can cover the five bucks for uh, shipping and handling, it's all yours. I think I'll pass. Thank you. Well, guys, you can find us at a number of places. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Tumblr. You can find us at Facebook. You can find us at the bird site. All at It Was a Thing on TV. And you can also visit our website at It Was a Thing on TV.com, where we have all of our past episodes of the show up. And also, just remember each and every Wednesday on Place to Be Nation Pop Feed, we got three of our past episodes going up. And guys, I got good news. They're almost up to date. They just put up Mr. Ed, Look Well, and Puchinski. So I think maybe in about another week or two, we should all be caught up. Nice. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Well, yeah. well, this week would be pretty... Well, this week we we went about as much of a deep dive as you could with these two shows. Uh, with a Second Chance of Boys, with, Boys Will Be Boys right now. And our earlier episode on the Duck Factory. Next week, we're pretty much mailing it in. But it's a good mail-in. Yep. Well, the second episode, guys, it's either going to be the best episode or it's going to be the worst episode. Yes, it will. (laughs) Yes, I think think so, Greg. One of these things are going to be true. We'll call it an experimental episode. Oh, it's very experimental, yes. Well, guys, until next time, I've been Greg, that was Mike, and that was Chico, and we'll see you next time here on It Was a Thing on TV. Wow! And we will thank you for being with us and hope that you're with us next time. Until then, I'm Jim Patrick. It's never too late to take a second chance. Bye-bye, everybody. Mike, again, stop it.